This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoyed this message. It is my privilege to have my wife here. Wife of 21 years. Praise God. And she's my, my partner in ministry and uh, in life. And I just can't do, can't do it without her. She's amazing. And uh, so we're going to do this together. And that normally makes things quite interesting. And we don't exactly know where we're going to fall out. But we will end up. But we will, we will, we will make this work. Okay. So um, we're doing a series on becoming honorable. And today we're going to focus on honor in the home. How we can become more honorable in our families and in our home environments. So uh, a few weeks ago, Sonica was really ill um, for about, yeah, we think it was COVID. But so for about three weeks, she was in bed. And it was quite challenging. I discovered how much she does in the home. And uh, so it was quite a juggle to do everything. And, um, and so we missed her birthday because it was in that, in, that, in that season. So on Friday evening, we, had a, we tried to pick things up a little bit. And uh, so we had supper or dinner at home and uh, with candles. And we danced a little bit. And it was really, really special. And so we uh, dance on this one song. Um, the song's name is Afrosa, A Heart van Glas. Kuderen, mense. Kuderen. So we, da- we dance on the song called uh, A Heart van Glas, or A Heart of Glass. That's the song's name. And so just to make you guys part of it, we're going to play you a little bit of it. And it's going to be, the words are going to be on the screen. So you can put the words on the screen. So you may dance. A frozen heart. Is broos soos glas Dit vat jy in haatbreek om te bars En jare ommelke stikkie glas Weer te laat pas Ja, wonde sal genies Maar storie van haar hart sal Verewig daar wees So hou haar hart met al twee hande vast Beskerm haar met al jou mag En haar hart sal vir eeuwig net hier vir jou wacht Hou haar hart met al twee hande vast Beskerm haar met al jou mag En haar hart sal vir eeuwig net hier vir jou wacht Haar hart van glas Sal net hier vir jou So there you have it. We were not planning to dance in the first service. They were all shouting, dance. So we like, okay, fine. We will do it. But, but so the song basically speaks of a heart of glass. That a, a woman's heart is like a heart of glass. 
It's fragile. It was handled with care. But as I was listening to the song, I realized, like, I think everybody's hearts are like glass. Everybody's hearts are fragile. The man, husband, wife, children, all our hearts are fragile. And if we want to have a, a home filled with honor, we need to steward one another's hearts. Either I, I can crush Sonica's heart or I can heal her heart. I can crush my son's heart. He's 13 years old. I can crush him or I can release a confidence into him. And, and so our society is broken. Why is it broken? Because there are so many homes that are broken. So many dads who are absent. So many dads, you know, that aren't walking in all that God has for them. So many wounded individuals. And then it comes from one generation to the next. So the, the kids get hurt. And then when they become parents, they hurt the next generation. And then that cycle of devastation just continues. So we want to share with you guys how you can build that honor in the home. I think there's our sixth or seventh message on this. And, uh, and, and it's important for us to understand that our, our, our hearts are fragile. So you see on this next picture of a dad and a, and a son, you know, the studies have found how important a dad is, especially as the children becomes older. The mom is more important when they're young. As they get older, dad becomes more important. And biblically speaking, when a child becomes 13, that's when they actually step into adulthood. There is no such thing as teenager in the Bible. Praise God. <laughs> so, in, I, you know, so I, I can pick it up, you know, something like, I'm a teenager. I should be difficult and rebellious and, and crazy. No, no, you should not. <laughs> you, you, at the age of 13, um, the, 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 the Hebrew bar mitzvah, that there was a ceremony where they would impart identity to both the boy and the girl. You know, and as dads, we have the power. We have the responsibility to release affirmation to our children uh, at that age, but also right through life. Our words matter. And so when you tell dads, when you tell your daughter, um, you know, that you love her and that she's beautiful and that she matters and that, and that she's, she's valuable, you know, that, that does something to a young, impressionable girl. And she might then... Be secure enough to not to go look for love in all the wrong places. Dads, you have power. In the same way the boys, when we, kind of, when we affirm our boys and we tell them, hey, I believe in you, you're a man, you, 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 you're not, you're not, you're not, you, you matter. You know, there's something significant that happens in a young man's heart. And so we need to communicate that. We need to impart that. We need to say it and live it in a way because ultimately, Parents, we represent God. Hmm? Amen? We represent God. And, and we carry a gift to, to, to impart that to our, to our children. So when I was in high school, I went to a really difficult stage. And oh, grade 8, 9. And, and, and I, wrong friends. Things, marks were plummeting. Everything was really messy in my life. And in that season, because my parents divorced when I was in primary school. And my dad moved away, and then in grade 
nine around there, he moved back to the same town and, and he lived about two blocks away from where I was living with my mom and my sister. And I would go to my dad's house twice a week or whatever, but we'd just chat sometimes for hours. And everywhere else at school, I, I, I heard, you don't matter. You're nobody. You're nothing. But when I was with my dad and he would listen to me and we just speak about life and things, he communicated to me that I matter. I'm valuable. And that carried me through a very, very difficult season until I came to know Christ. So this is really important. I just see this in our son's life. He's now 13 years old. You know, when I tell him I'm proud of him, he's good. But when Andre tells him that he's proud of him, I can just see that he goes alive. And it's just in so many conversations that the two men had. You know, that was, it was just so beautiful because I realized now he needs his dad's input. Dad's advice. You know, and the two men, I have the two men in the home, they love the jokes, I don't think it's funny. But for me, it's just so cool to see their relationship flourish and to see Vian growing closer and closer to my brain. You know, and I just want to encourage for those of you who are single parents, I know it must be really tough. I can just imagine, you know, you 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 feel almost as if you need to be both mom and dad. And, and you can't because this is not your role and it's not what you designed for. And I've heard so many stories and so many testimonies of single parents who found God really provided another person who could fulfill that role of a dad or a mom, a grandfather or an uncle or a grandmother or aunt or sister. And I really trust, you know, if you are a single parent and you have a desire just for the opposite gender to, to have a platform or a role, in your child's life, I really trust that you're going to find that person because God is faithful. Amen? And we are very privileged. I mean, we, we've been married for 21 years. God has given us a beautiful son. We're very privileged to have a, a small but a, a, a healthy family. And I know some of you have been through rough patches in your life. But God is faithful to provide for you as a parent what your child needs, whether you are uh, single or whether you're divorced or whether you, uh, in a similar lucky position, God is faithful. Amen. You know, so honor in the home is of utmost importance. It, I, I believe it's the cure to the brokenness of society. And it, it's not that we are special that is working for us. It's simply because we're applying biblical principles. We're creating an environment that is not about perfection, but it's about owning your stuff. A culture of honor is... Not aiming for perfection. It's just like, I want to value who you are, but I'm also willing to own my weaknesses. I'm willing to apologize. I'm willing to say, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm willing to work on my stuff. Okay. So we're not aiming at perfection. So let me quickly recap honor. What is honor? Here's a, here's a honor defined on the screen. It is to value, to esteem, to respect, to treat favorably, to have high regard for okay so you want to communicate that in your words in your actions you want to you want to say to your children you want to say to your spouse you want to say to your parents you want to speak to those around you that i value you i esteem you i respect you you know i have a high regard for you so that's what you want to communicate but the question is how do we how can we live this okay so we're going to tackle different aspects of honor in the home and, and hopefully get quite practical in how you can do it. And ultimately, you want to sow 
seeds of honor. The words you speak, the actions, those, those are seeds. And I said it last week, if you sow seeds of dishonor, it will reap a harvest of humiliation. If you sow, if you continuously disrespect, if you continuously communicate to the people around you, you don't matter, you don't, you're not valuable, uh, you, then ultimately it leads to disconnect and, and, and can lead to a harvest of humiliation where your children rebel or your spouse hates you or maybe even divorce, that kind of thing. And so you don't want to go there. So dishonor defined, it is to treat as common, ordinary or menial. A stronger version of it is to treat somebody shamefully or to humiliate. And it's so easy for us to overstep that boundary where we communicate, you don't matter. You know, you're not valuable. And so we want to communicate to, you know, to your spouse or the people around you, 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 you matter, you're valuable. I mean, that's why I like to dance with Sonica because it communicates to her that she's valuable. She's valuable. She's a, she's my princess. You know, she's, she's a, a woman of God. She is worthy of me being a little bit outside the box kind of thing, you know. Um, but she loves it. And I tell her, then I love it as well. You know, so th- those kind of things to discover what matters to the person in your life. So, so, I mean, growing up, my, my dad made some serious mistakes. So he had, from I was around grade two to grade four, I think about for three, four years, he was involved in, in an affair. And the result of that was my, my dad should have protected us, not only physically, but spiritually and morally. Because you see what, what happens when, when, when we as the dad, the parent, when we do things that are destructive, it's like opening the gates of hell over the home. When we're supposed to be closing the doors to the enemy. And so around grade five, um, I was exposed to pornography because of my dad's magazines um, that I found under his bed. And I tell you, a darkness, uh, evil came to settle on my heart, on my mind. In my, I started to cuss like horribly. But it was like an evil that came upon me because of my exposure. I was innocent. I was, but my, my dad didn't protect me. But he's, he, I mean, he's a good man and he passed away two years ago and I love him very much. And it, it was just like his vulnerabilities, his weaknesses were exposed. And there are consequences to that. And so the one time, because of this darkness of my soul, I became so rebellious. So in the grade five or on grade five, I told my mother to F off. Just cast her out. Your, ten minutes later, she stormed into the room with a plank. And she hit the hell out of me. It was awesome. Praise God. I changed. Because she hit the hell out of me. Ah, the good old days. The good old days. And I, I mean, I repented. I apologized. I cried. I'm like, Mom, I'm sorry. Um, you know, it was like something came over me. And our kids need protection. Not just physical, but morally, spiritually. From the things. And when we compromise as parents, as dads, when we compromise, when we give in to addictions, things like that, we open the floodgates of hell over our homes. Yeah, I just want to add to that, you know, our, the, this, our kids are in a war zone. I mean, 
schools, if you, if you have any high school child at this stage, you'll know that the schools are war zones and we need to create a safe environment for them at home which means we can't just take care of them physically. We, we need to take care of them spiritually and emotionally. So we have filters on all our phones, all our devices, all our computers. We shamefully tell people this is what we do. Unashamedly. Uh, unashamedly, sorry. So they got it. I'm, I'm sure they got it. <laughs> <laughs> we are unashamed about the protection that we, we provide for ourselves and for for our son, because there's so, so many stories of kids like Andre who stumbled upon pornography at a very young age. And it became an addiction because there was no protection. There was no counsel. There was, there was no road or a journey that the parents walked with a child. So I want to encourage you, be ruthless when it comes to boundaries, when it comes to protecting your child. You know, we cannot be uh, awake enough. Because there's a real enemy who wants to destroy our children's hearts, and we need to create an environment of safety in our homes. Absolutely. It's a a massive issue. Pornography is a massive issue. In the U.S., 50% of all divorces on the court documents, they write there that one of the two parties are addicted to porn. 50% of all divorces in the U.S., you know, every time one looks at pornography, you're sowing a seed of dishonor towards your spouse, a seed of dishonor. I'm not valuing you enough, so I am committing this sin. And that opens the floodgates of the enemy. And so we need to ask ourselves, how important is the next generation? You can be single now and not married yet, but you can now already sow seeds of dishonor for future generations. You can now be feeding addictions, whatever it might be. For what is coming. And I tell you, I have seen this so many times. I, we have counseled so many people, especially when it comes to alcohol. They drank too much and they did stupid. Unbelievably stupid. You know, and so I've, I've made a decision. I want to live on a higher level for the sake of the church and for the sake of the coming generations. You know, so I was playing squash. Uh, in league, and so normally the guys would have a few beers and so forth, and so I would not drink uh, the alcohol. Um, yeah, but so anyway, so the one time we went to King Williamstown, and uh, and so we ordered a steak or something, and with it on the special was you, 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 you if you order, it just comes with it like a, a draft, with, and you get the, you can take the glass home and everything. So the here the stands my draft. I'm like. Anyway, so I want the glass. I don't know what to do with it. So anyway, so I drank it. <laughs> I drank it. And obviously I wasn't drunk or anything. It was just one glass. But I felt uncomfortable because I want to I wanna communicate to the people around me, you know, that I, I have standards. But that evening when I came home, I got into bed. My wife smelled alcohol on my breath. And I was like, never again. Never again. I'm not just not going to do that. I've just seen the destruction that alcohol has played in the lives of people. I've said, I'm going to live on a higher level. The Bible does not communicate that you're not allowed to drink at all. But it does say that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you tend to get drunk, that means you are probably not a child of God. That's the truth. Drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. And beyond not inheriting the kingdom of God... It leads to sowing seeds of dishonor for your family, for your loved ones. Some of us should not drink at all. 
Some of us should not drink at all. You need to figure it out. You can't make a rule, but you need to figure that out with God. Should I, should I not? What kind of man do you want to be? What kind of woman do you want to be? Okay, so I want to challenge you guys on that. Because literally generations depend on this. I was so frustrated with my dad. Over the years, I tried to communicate the gospel with him. But almost every time we're at his home, he's had a few glasses of wine too many. And it's like, you can't have a normal conversation. You can't talk about Jesus. You know, and that, yeah. So honestly, I just hate the effect that it has on people. But again, you need to decide. You need to decide. You need to determine what kind of person do you want to be and what kind of environment do you want to create. I just want to add to this. You know, as a woman, I, it makes me feel extremely safe when Andre makes decisions like this. You know, and it's not the first kind of decision like this that he's made. He's made many decisions in his life of things that he would do or not do that created a safe environment for me which means I feel safe, which means I feel on behalf of my son, I feel safe, and it creates peace. You know, we're all looking for peace in our homes. We're all looking for uh, a well-being, a healthy environment. And these decisions, these are the kind of decisions that lead to peace, that lead to health, that lead to, lead to a flourishing marriage and a flourishing lifestyle, no matter how hard it might be for you. But these kind of decisions, these are the defining things often that create the, the atmosphere in our homes. Absolutely. I mean, so what do you do when you're under pressure, under stress? Do you medicate your pain, your stress with alcohol? Or do you go to Jesus? I'm like, go to Jesus. Go pray. Don't medicate your, your pain or your stress with other things. It just leads to destruction. Okay, so let's look at a few different scriptures. We're going to unpack it a little bit. So honorable children, Ephesians 6 verse 1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So I need to qualify that. If your parent tells you to do something that's unbiblical or contrary to Scripture, then you do not obey, but you can respectfully disobey. Okay, you're not allowed to get baptized. Well, respectfully, Dad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna obey Jesus. Or your parent tells you to lie to your teacher. You say, Well, Dad, sorry, I'm not. I can't lie to the teacher. Can we sort of solve this in a different way? But you, I'm, I can't. I can't lie. I can't disobey God. Okay, so that's very important. In verse two, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Why? That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. That it may be well with you. That's a, such a beautiful promise. And when I was in high school, I was so rebellious and difficult. You know, it was not going well with me. I was cursed because I was dishonoring my parents. And so dishonor leads to disconnection and ultimately to a curse. So even Deuteronomy 27 verse 16, it says, Cursed is anyone who dishonors father or mother. Cursed is anyone who dishonors father or mother. It's such a strong word, eh? Cursed. But it opens again the floodgates of hell. When you curse, it opens the gates of hell into our lives. Honor leads to healthy hearts. It builds connection. And it sets you up for healthy relationships. Life becomes beautiful when our relationships flourish. How do you do it? Honor, value, esteem. Honor your parents. Honor one another. Okay, so today let's honor our dads especially. And again, it's not about perfection. It's like they have a place in the spirit with all their weaknesses, with all their issues. We can still honor. It means I value you despite your 
your weaknesses. Okay, then honorable parenting, verse 4, Ephesians 6, verse 4. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with a discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So do not provoke your children to anger. What is that speaking about? I think sometimes we can have be so harsh in terms of our rules and the way we do things that it just suffocates our children. It's so, you know, it's just so easy to, especially when we say, hey, we want to love God and, and you know, we want our kids to turn out right. So we like, oh, rules, 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 rules. But then sometimes we have no fun. Um, we're not just having a blast at times, you know, we just, you know, and I have learned you need to be aware of the, the hearts, the state of the hearts of those around you. I need to be aware of Sonica's heart. I need to be aware of our son's heart. Like, what's happening there? So that's why we are, and Vian loves some TikTok videos. He'll show us some of the jokes and things, and we'll laugh together, and we'll sometimes just watch a movie together, and we'll have fun, and we'll do high five, and we'll make jokes, and we'll have a blast. And for me and Vian, we are like friends. We're having a great time together. But in the right context, there are still boundaries and there's divine order. But within that, we're just having a great time, you know. And sometimes when we are religious, this is the danger of being religious. You, you, it just kills the fun out of the home. And you're always going to be aware if the, if the kids aren't having fun, they might actually turn away from Jesus because dad is just so boring. You know, and, and so there's this, this tension between boundaries, rules, discipline, and having fun. Okay, so you need to get that mixture right in the home. Amen. Well, yeah, we also learned that, you know, when it comes to boundaries or rules, it is really important to get your child's buy-in. You know, if you just tell him or her, this is the rules and this is the consequences and this is how it will work, you know, you... You treat the person like a child, and I know they are, but, you know, God has just challenged me over the years to treat Vian like a man, to treat him like a man of God. So we discuss things with him. We say, look, this, these are the boundaries that we would like to put in place. These are the reasons why we want to put it in place. What do you think? Do you have questions? What is your suggestion? You know, how much screen time do you think you should get? And it's just amazing to actually have a relationship around boundaries, to have a discussion around rules. And then it, it's not, it doesn't, it's not rules anymore. It becomes a safety net and it becomes a, a, a value that you unite around. It's not just this is the rule and this is how it will work. You actually discuss it with your child. I mean, I even remember when Vian was very young, we would go on holiday and then I would ask him, so Vian, what, what are the rules for the holiday? And it's amazing, even at the age of four or five, he would tell me, mommy, I'm allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do that. And then I would ask him, so what would be the consequences? And he would tell me. So it was just so clear. You know, I wasn't telling him. He came up with the suggestions. And then we actually had a peaceful holiday because he bought into our values and just, you know, the way we did things. So it's just amazing to actually involve them in boundaries and yeah, so decision-making. So the boundaries or the rules, it's your partner. And guys, we all need boundaries. Even if you're an adult, you need boundaries. You need your own rules. Like, no, I will not watch five movies straight after one another. No, I will not do not the whole series on Netflix tonight, through the night. 
You know, I'm gonna, we're gonna watch one episode or two episodes. I'm gonna, you know, you need to have boundaries that, so we teach it to our children when they're younger, but we should all have boundaries and rules as we, as we, it's a, you partner with it. It's like, you know, the law is a schoolmaster. The rules, it leads us as a partner that leads us closer to God. Okay, so. I think that also makes a difference for Vian. You know, in our relationship, it's not something we expect of him that we're not willing to do. You know, he looks at his dad and he can see that Andre's got boundaries. Andre says no to certain things at certain times. So for him, it's not just a rule. For us, it's a value and it's a, a lifestyle that Andre sets the tone in the home and then Vian can easily follow because his daddy is, is, is living by example. Amen. I mean, we can, we can live in a way that we never need to be ashamed about anything. Never feel guilty. But then we need to partner with the rules and we also partner with one another. So I will like, even holiday times now, we will talk. What are the rules? How many movies? How many this? How, what are we going to do? And I will be accountable as well to Sonica. We'll be accountable to one another. So we partner with one another, you know, and, and, and ultimately then God is in the house. But it says they rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So we need to instruct. So one of the things I believe is non-negotiable for parents. If your child is in the house, it should be non-negotiable. We go to church like you go to school. Why do you go to school? To, you know, to learn. Why do you go to church? So you can go to heaven one day, praise God, <laughs> you know, to stay on track. You know, so it should be non-negotiable. I don't know, bribe you. If you live in this house, we go to church. That's how it works. But then we need to be aware of other things, like too much of something, like you're praying for too long, Dad, or you're, that sometimes my guilt, I'm guilty. You know, <laughs> worshiping for too long. You know, I can see Vian is after 20 minutes is enough. Okay, Vian, can come to go chill. You know, we shouldn't force stuff on our children where they're like, well, I, don't, I don't want anything to do with God anymore. Okay, so be aware. And then you need to discipline. As parents, you have a, it's a command from the Lord to bring discipline. There should be correction. So you set down the boundaries. If the boundaries are broken, there should be discipline. The truth is, is they've done studies. Children that don't have, have discipline in the home, they ultimately feel unloved. And they rebel and they despise their parents. So parents, you need to ask yourself, do you want your children to despise you? Then have no discipline. Don't have harsh discipline. Do it in a nice way. Do it in partnership with them. But otherwise, you can find yourself where, where they will actually despise you. So, yeah. So, Sonic, are you in terms of Vian? How do you engage? Yeah, I I've been challenged by God when Vian was very young. You know, not to treat him like a child, which is not so easy as a parent. But God said to me, you can discipline him with honor, and you can discipline him with respect. You know, so I, I say to God, please help me, show me, help me to do this. You know, and I just learned that the 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 way I speak with him my tone of voice, and the way I allow him to speak to me, it just plays such a huge role. You know, when, when Vian speaks, often when a boy speaks, we need to, not often, always, you know, they don't always speak their hearts. They don't always share. But the moment they do, we need to pause. We need to stop what we're doing, and we need to pay attention. We need to listen because it might never come again. Maybe your husband's similar, you know. When he speaks, his heart 
Leave everything and listen because Amen. Stop <laughs> so, everything. He's speaking from his heart. I'm very fortunate because I have two verbal processes in my home. You know, they speak all the time, so they fight for my attention. But I just realized for with, with Vian, I need to learn not to interrupt him. I need to learn to pause when he speaks. I need to allow him to ask me. You know, we have a we have a, a agreement that he can ask me anything. At any time, even if he knows that the rule says this, he can still ask me if he can go beyond the rule. I might say no, but he can still ask. You know, so it's a, it's a wonderful uh, space that we just create for him that even if he knows, I will say no, he, he can still ask. He can always ask. He can always communicate. He can always share his heart. And I, I trust the Lord that we will keep this value in our home you know where i don't see him as a child i see him as a man of god and i treat him as such and i treat him with respect even though he is my child this is huge again the tone the how the way we speak to one another honor in the home will lead to blessing generational blessing okay so honoring in-laws praise the lord now you know what they say guys if you miss your mother-in-law what do you do you, you shoot again. <laughs> That's a terrible joke. Huh? That's the kind of joke you should not be saying. That's not very honoring. Okay. So I was just illustrating to you guys what you should not be doing. <laughs> okay, but very important. When, when, you start, when you get married, you start a new family. You are a new family unit. And so... When, when we got married, Sonica became my priority above my mother. My mother is now second to Sonica. So this is very important. This is a new family, and I need to protect her and make sure that other, there are no other influences. We've seen this so many times. Uh, when the relationship with the in-laws are not right, it leads to manipulation. It leads to control. It leads to ungodly things. It brings massive strain upon the marriage so, so you need to have boundaries. You need to get your priorities right. And guys, men, we need to protect our wives. So first of all, I mustn't love my mother more than I love my wife or be more attached to my mother. So cut, cut the ties. Huh? Cut the ties. Be a man. Okay? Be a man. And then secondly, you need to have boundaries. So my job is to protect Sonica. And so it doesn't matter who it is. Her parents, my parents, I will intervene. If parents are getting, if, if they're missing, if they're getting too involved, then I would intervene and say, um, mom, please stop it. <laughs> you are causing strain on my wife. So please stop that. That's not working for us. Please give, stop giving us advice about everything, you know. Um, so you need to enforce boundaries to protect your, your spouse. Okay, so, so even with Sonic and Vian, I mean, they are very close. He's 13 years old. They're really close. So I have looked at this and I'm like, oh my goodness, we need to manage this very well. Otherwise, it could get interesting in the future. Yeah, so I teach Vian that his wife is going to be more important than me because he's got this list of things that he's not going to do. His wife must do it one day. It's all the things I do. You know? He's definitely not prepared to do it. His wife is going to do it. So I tell him, Vian, she's going to be very different from me. She will be a lot prettier, so don't worry about that. But she's going to be very different. And, you know, I need to one day respect my daughter-in-law. I need to back off. I need to have healthy boundaries. You know, in the same way that the, that a man needs to 
leave and cleave to his wife. A, a mother needs to allow a son, especially, to, to, to leave the home and to start his new family. You know, I want my daughter-in-law to like me one day. So Amen. I need to respect and I need to give my son space and I need to communicate to her that I'm not going to interfere. I'm not going to, gonna, you know, be like the sponge who just wants all of his time and all of his attention. She's going to be priority. And I need to now already prepare myself because we have a beautiful relationship which is now a blessing, but it can count against us one day if I do not let go. So I am I'm prepping myself already, you know, yeah. for the letting go part. So guys, so be aware of that. And it's your responsibility as the parents or the in-laws. You need to have healthy boundaries and don't, don't get too, too involved if it's, if it's not being asked for. Okay, so every person in the home has a kingdom position. And with that position comes certain responsibilities. The moment we got married, I became a husband and Sonica became a wife. That's a position in the kingdom of God. There are responsibilities that comes with it. Same way, the moment you become a parent, you, I'm now a dad and Sonic is now a mom. They are different responsibilities, kingdom responsibilities that comes with that. When you are a child, you're a son or a daughter, that's a position in the kingdom as, of God as well. So we need to be aware of these things because then we can live and walk in divine order if we are wanting to be blessed. Okay, so 1 Peter 3 verse 7. This is about husbands honoring your wife. It says, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Giving honor to the wife, esteeming the wife as to the weaker vessel. That speaks of physically, not spiritually. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So we as men, we are commanded by the Lord to dwell with understanding. In other words, be aware of her heart. Be aware of where she's at. You know that, look, she's upset. What's wrong? Nothing. No, no, I know something's wrong. What's wrong? No, nothing. No, I really know something. I mean, guys, you know what I'm talking about. So, so you wanna, you, you, you're aware when, 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 when someone is hurt or when, when they are not in a good space. So dwell with them with understanding. Be aware. And then give honor in terms of esteem highly. And then it speaks about being heirs together. Another translation speaks of that, you know, we are equal partners. In the grace of life. So we are equal. It's not about value. It's just function is different. And then it says that your prayers may not be hindered. Now that is a scary verse. If I treat my wife in an ungodly way, dishonoring way, the heavens become bronze. God's like not interested in those prayers. Imagine that. Imagine like God isn't going to listen to you. You're on your own. You might cry out, God's like, not interested, honor your wife, humble yourself, work on your stuff, repent, apologize, deal with your things, and then I will listen. So this verse really brings the fear of the Lord upon me. The converse is also true. Honor your wife and the heavens become open. God's going to listen. God's going to hear. I know when I honor my wife and when I celebrate her, God is pleased. In the same way, guys, come on, please the heart of Father God and honor your wife. And so how this also works is, and we're going to get into the submission thing in, in a moment. But as husbands, if we honor our wives 
It means I'm willing to lay down my life. I value so much. I value you so much that I'm willing to prefer you before me. In other words, honey, where do you want to go have holiday? I want to go there. She wants to go there. Cool. We're going to go there. We're going to do that. I prefer you. You want to spend time with our family? Cool. Let's do it. Because I value your deal before mine. We're supposed to love our wives as Christ loves the church. So I'm going to prefer her deal. It's not like I'm the boss and you're going to do what I want to do all the time. That's not how it works. But there are moments. There are times. So, for instance, we would discuss things. We'll come to a conclusion together. We have unity and we do it. But there are times where the man needs to lead in the way that if I need to protect my wife or I need to protect my son, there are sometimes I need to make a call and say, okay, honey, I hear you. I don't agree. But in this case, to protect you, protect our son, this is the way we're going to go. So in other words, it's about protection. That's when a man can make a call. For instance, sometimes Sonica loves to give. She loves to give money away. Hallelujah. And other things. And sometimes she gives from a place of guilt. And then I'm like, no, you're not allowed to give any more money away until I feel the motivation is right. It's something more that she struggled in the past. That's not so much these days. Um, but as, as the husband, I need to make a call to protect my wife. I'm making a call. But then, God, ladies, then you need to follow your husband when he makes a call. Guys, first of all, please make the call. Please be a man. Please lead your family. Um, with input, with discussion, um, but then make a call. Lead, and God will bless you. And then, ladies, you need to follow. I mean, there's so many stories where guys made the call to protect the wife. She didn't want to listen, and then there's just pain. Okay? So allow your husband to lead you. Okay, so we as husbands, we need to steward, all of us, we need to steward one another's hearts. Okay, then finally, finishing off with this, 1 Peter 3 verse 1 to 2. I ended off here last week. It's the one of the classic verses on submissions, the amplified version. It says now to the ladies, being honorable wives. It says, in like manner, you married women, be submissive to your own husbands. In other words... Be subordinate yourselves as being secondary to and dependent on them and adapt yourselves to them. In other words, allow them to lead when they need to. So that even if any do not obey the word of God, they may may be won over not by discussion, but by the godly lives of their wives. Sometimes men... Uh, it might not know God or they might be living in disobedience to the word. And then sometimes discussions don't work then you need to lead through your godliness, lead through your humble attitude, godliness to win their hearts over it. I'll share a story about that in a moment. Verse 2, when they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourselves, together with your reverence for your husband, you are to feel for him all that reverence includes, to respect, defer, to revere him, to honor, esteem, appreciate, prize, and in the human sense to adore him, that is to admire, praise, be devoted to, deeply love, and enjoy your husband. Okay, so if you didn't know what submission is about, there's, there's a description. And it sounds almost like, whoa, this is wild. This is, this is over the top. But as I said last week, it is actually... You position yourself in a powerful place where you step out of the way where God can intervene if your husband is outside of the will of God. That's why I call it you duck. You get out of the way so that God can give him a good club. Okay, so it, it's powerful. I've seen this. Any authority figure, any authority figure that's outside of the will of God, when you choose to honor them and be reverent and respectful, 
God steps in and, to fight, and he fights for you. So maybe Sonic, you can add something to, to this. So, uh, how, to, how to duck. Yeah, I want to explain to you how I practically do this. I don't always get this right. But praise God, I, I'm growing. After 21 years, I am growing. So when I disagree with Andre or I feel something should be done differently or you should have a different approach, I have two options. I can either get involved and in telling him I think you should do it, or I can let it go, right? And I've realized that I shouldn't pick every battle. I can't, every every little thing that bugs me, I shouldn't engage with him around everything. is exhausting for me, for him. So I need to trust God for discernment. When should I get involved? If I feel this is not my place, this is not the one I should get involved in, I give it to the Lord. I pray, I say, okay, Lord, there you go. I'm stepping away from the vehicle. I am handing it over to you. If I, however, feel I should get involved, then, like I said with Vian, there's two things that is king. One is timing. The other one is tone. Timing okay. write, and write that tone. Down. <laughs> write that down. Timing and tone. So I need to pick the right time to speak to him. Okay, so. So not last night while I'm watching the stormers clap the balls. No, bad timing, bad bad timing. So if you have something really pressing on your heart, what I do is I just take it to God first. This is my game plan. I take it to the Lord first. Okay, so Lord, okay, show me the right timing, soften his heart, give me the right approach. Then I speak to him. So if I speak to him and he agrees with me, praise God. I mean, all settled and done and it's, you know, yeah, all sorted out. The The problem is sometimes he still doesn't, even if I share my heart and even if he... It's very um, rare, very rare. <laughs> he would still do his own thing. And, and then I duck. This is what Andre calls duck. I call it let go and let God. It's terrible. <laughs> I hate it. Because then God's on my case. But like I say, this is not for every everything, you know. I can't I can't get involved and, and you know, get involved in every little issue. I need to trust the Lord sometimes for me not to get involved at all. But in any case, so now I have shared my heart, I have communicated, he's still doing his own thing, then I get out of the way. So okay Lord, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna nag, I'm not gonna um, stress the point. So just a quick example. So a couple of years ago, well many years ago, many moons. 2006, Andre heard something from God. He had many confirmations and he was convinced that this is the Lord speaking. However, for me, I felt very uncomfortable. There were many checks and balances for me, not in place. And I, I just saw disaster coming. Because I was deceived. <laughs> I was wrong. So I tried to communicate to him that I felt very uncomfortable. And he wasn't open because at that stage he had all the confirmations and he... He really wanted to be obedient to God's, which is his strength. So I really honor that, but I had to back off. I had to let go and let God. I had to duck. I had to say, okay, God, I give it to you. Ultimately, in the end, it was clear that it was not of the Lord. And you see, again, then I, I had two ways of approaching it. I could, I could keep on talking to him and stressing the point that I I think uh, this is trouble. I think you're making a mistake or I could get out of the way. If I did not get out of the way, I would have been in God's way because he had to make that mistake because he changed the course of our marriage. He changed the course of our our relationship because since that day, everything changed in terms of decision-making for us. 
Andre would not just get a word from the Lord and act on it without me being in unity, without me having peace. It changed everything. But you see, I could have been in God's way. Also, I could have done the, I told you so afterwards, which I also realized then I could have lost his heart. So by God's grace, I decided not to do the I told you so because he knew. I mean, he knew I was uncomfortable. And if I did it, I could have lost his heart. But that story for us was just defining, defining moment in our marriage, the way I relate to him, the way he relates to me, and the way we do decision-making. And I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. That that was a defining moment for us. But the way that she responded to me, she won my heart. Because she honored me, I now trust her with my life. She has sown so many seeds of honor, even when I make mistakes, even when I may be acting in an ungodly way, she would still believe in me and honor me and value me, not like you flippin' stupid man, you know, whatever, you know. Um, She would still speak to me with respect, And so I trust her with my life. It's given her more influence over me than otherwise. So ladies, that's the way to influence is to honor well. So I'm going to give you an example, extreme example, but such a powerful example. I'm sure you guys have heard of Smith Wigglesworth. He was one of the most, one of the greatest men of God in Europe in the early 1900s. He raised people from the dead in the name of Jesus. He had incredible evangelistic impact. Now, Wigglesworth was a plumber. Now, here's a bit of the background story before he became a truly born-again believer. It says, Wigglesworth was a plumber and had over time grown very cold toward God. He didn't want anything to do with Christianity. Polly, his wife, on the other hand, was a very devout believer. In fact, her zeal for God was increasing all the while. Her devotion made Wigglesworth laxity more and more apparent, and he became irritated by her presence. He harshly persecuted her for her faith. And in no uncertain terms told her not to go to church. She didn't adhere to his command for it was contrary to the will of God. We are to obey authority as long as they do not tell us to violate the written word of God. She would make his dinner and leave for Sunday evening church. One night she came home from the church later than usual. Upon entering the house, Smith demanded, I am the master of this house and I'm not going to have you coming home at so late an hour as this. Polly quietly replied, I know that you are my husband, but Christ is my master. Greatly annoyed and enraged, Wigglesworth opened the back door and forced her out of the house, locking the door behind her. Upon waking in the morning, Smith opened the door to get the newspaper. When he did, she fell into the house. She had slept propped up against the door all night. She immediately got up and happily said, Smith, what would you like for breakfast? <laughs> I'm not there yet. I was thinking we need to taste it maybe just sometime. How godly is my wife? No, I'm just kidding. But so, so then she proceeded to make his morning breakfast. That is amazing. As it turned out, Polly's determination to obey God and honor her husband had a profound effect on Wigglesworth. He eventually came under great conviction and surrendered completely to the service of Jesus Christ. And his work is still respected and talked about to this day. He's one of the most read and respected uh, uh, authors, ministers of the gospel of the last hundreds of years. But he acted like a complete idiot. He was harsh. He was ungodly. He persecuted his wife. But she had a vision. She somehow knew that this man 
can become a godly man. And she chose to follow the directors of scripture to honor and esteem even an ungodly man in extreme measures. And then God intervenes. Tell you one day when Polly stands before God on judgment day, she will have so many eternal rewards because those millions of souls that have been impacted by her husband will be added to her account. Ladies, you're not a victim. You are powerful. God will fight for you. And God is the key to every man's heart. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Awesome. Please stand with me. I want to just put on the screen, you can put on this, this picture of the heart. Honor is about stewarding the hearts of the people around us. And you might be single today. You might not be married. I tell you, but you can start sowing seeds of dishonor or honor today. And I want to encourage you already now begin to sow seeds of life and blessing. So here's a few practical things on the next slide. A few practical ways of how you and I can sow seeds of honor in this next week. Speak words of encouragement and love. Tell your loved ones, I love you. I believe in you. Speak life. And part of that is also apologize when you are wrong. Own your stuff. Number two, be present. You know, as listen well, turn the phone off, the TV off, and listen to your child or your spouse when they speak. Eat together as a family. That's a great time without distraction so you can really connect and hear how you're doing. Number four, serve and help around the house. Don't expect your family to serve you. You serve them, especially for us as men and the kids in the house. The ladies tend to be responsible for that kind of thing. But we must help. We need to be part of that. That's communicating honor. Pray together. Pray together. Take your spouse's hand or pray with your kids. And, and, and you know, guys, your wife will feel so loved, so, so, so safe when you pray with her about finances, about the things happening, the challenges they're all going through. Pray for them. Pray with them. And then, guys, forgive quickly. Perfection is not the, the goal. Perfection is not the aim. Love covers a multitude of sins. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, God, we, we just admit, God, we can't. We can't do this in our own abilities. We can't be good men, good women, good husbands, good fathers, good parents, or even good children. We can't in our own abilities. And so God, this day, we want to open the door. Lord, I pray for homes filled with honor, filled with humility, filled with forgiveness, filled with taking responsibility for our behavior when it's not up to scratch. God Almighty, I pray that we will become an honorable people. May we up our game. May we deal with our addictions. May we sort out our stuff so that we can be honorable men and women to the glory of God. Almighty Father, come and have your way in us. Come and have your way in us. In the name of Jesus. 
Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.